The countdown to season two of Fandom's Culture and perhaps a few murders is on as we welcome you to the Bullshit Roundtable, where we will discuss anything at the time between seasons that may be going on in current events or just things that are on our minds, so shooting the shit. I want to start off, I woke up with violence today and I'm ready for it. Some to the status right here and now. The squirrels in Animal Crossing New Horizons have the cutest people, period. Like, can't nobody beat the cuteness of them. No other species in the Animal Crossing pantheon have the cutest the most adorable as the squirrels do squirrels are the shit they're beautiful they're adorable can't nobody see them done don't add me <laughs> i will say that the cubs are a pretty close second they have a, quite a few cute ones like i love pico she's adorable i never know everybody loves the newer anime eyed judy right yeah that's true judy ain't bad but again squirrels are all fucking killing it every single one of them there's only like two bad ones like callie Callie was like a five-year-old Jew her, and they were like, all right, good. This is where we're going to do it. <laughs> Hazel with the unibrow, oh, yeah. not so much. <laughs> but everybody else, Marshall, Mint, Nibbles, Peanut, Pecan, Poppy. Poppy's my favorite. This is adorable. Her house is killing it. I wouldn't change a fucking thing. Even from the previous Animal Crossings, the squirrels you can't beat. The newest addition, Ione, absolutely killed it. She glows. She's beautiful. Dogs kill it. But I want to say fucking um, the rams being last because I can't with any of the rams or the hippopotamuses. I tried so hard and for the longest time to bully one of the rams that I had on my island to make him leave because I hated him. I would drop trash outside of his house every day. She even locked him inside her, his front yard. Carlos. Yeah, Carlos. I hate his name. Outside of it, right? Yeah, he did. I beat up. One of them, I think it was Carlos, I think it is the one that you don't get a choice to pick. Yep. And I hit him with the net and he did not flinch. Not a single movement. And I'm like, yo, how are you not affected by this? Everyone else I hit, there's a little juke to him, you know, like a bop. Like a little Scooby-Doo, like, neck drop in or some shit. He did not a fucking inch and it annoyed me to, like, upteenth degrees because no matter how forward in time I pushed past, he was not trying to go. It's an imprecise science as far as all the stories that people say are ways to help get rid of villagers. But it seems like time travel is usually the most effective way to do it. Yeah, the entire squirrel pantheon, top-notch, most adorable, period. I still think that the deer are pretty close. Fauna is very cute. I love Fauna. Diana is very elegant. Fauna is very I like Zell. I feel like the deer are pretty pretty, uh, cute villagers. I mean, they added the new one, too. I think it's Shino. Shino is adorable. I have her on my island. Because she has, like, the almost kabuki, like, makeup to her. And, like, oni I'm points. I'm looking at the deer list now. Fuchsia is good. Yeah, Shino's definitely tall. Zell looks good, too. Yeah. But that's his color scheme. Bo's kind of cute, but y'all ain't got nothing on the squirrel. Squirrel's still killing it. We did have Bo. I will say that, for me, I think it's, like... Squirrels probably have more than some of the cubs because there's like a couple cubs that aren't the best. Maple's a really cute one. She's like the perfect woodland bear thing. Very soft looking like a teddy bear. Stitches is cool. I do like stitches. There's bears and there's cubs. Yes, the just the cubs. The, yeah, bears, just the cubs. the bears are too big. Yeah, the bear, bears are terrible. The <laughs> yeah, the... Chester looks horrible. Chester looks like he's been starved inside of a box and then released out into the world after being in captivity for like 20 years. I will also say that the bunnies are pretty good too, some of them. Some yeah. of the bunnies. June is cute for the bears. Yeah, yeah, she's cute too. You're right with the maple, because she, she does have that look to her. A small amount of cute female elephants, like I the, wish you could see my face. 
the the chai and tea because they're very teapot. Tea is, is kind of cute. Definitely some Mrs. Potts from fucking. Um, yeah, you can't. Beauty yeah, you can't convince me that that was not the idea when they created her. Right. Her face and color it's scheme is just perfectly done for it. Yeah, chai is like another kind of tea themed one, so she's cute. But I think she's yeah. more blue than the white. She was the one that they used for the um, Hello Kitty uh, set, right? Yeah. There was Margie had kind of a tea-looking thing to her too, but I think it was more of like a circus tent or something, maybe. There was a male one, and I can't remember his name, but he had a very kind of like soft, kid-friendly-looking Dumbo aesthetic to him, like a very soft mm. baby elephant look. Oh, Dizzy, I think is what his name is. It's blue. Yeah. There's a couple of them that have like acceptable appearances and then there's ones like the caveman mammoth one and he's ugly i was just looking at him as he was tucker <laughs> shout out to roscoe my stallion oh yeah i love roscoe he's oh, like the horse. Yeah, roscoe. he's my animal crossing husband <laughs> yo shout out to, to coco because coco's a beast i love coco i don't give a fuck what anybody says the fact that it stands there and shakes its head because it has something in it just for entertainment cracks me up It'd be funny so if you fun. saw something like fall out of her eye or something like out of the open holes. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to see something fall out. I want to see something move around in the back while she was doing it. That's what I would like to see. Just to add in that level of creepiness. Holy shit! There's something back there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, if I could gauge it, I think Roscoe is probably our like most happiest villager. Cause yeah, yeah, he's a cranky type. But the thing is, yeah. is that he always seems to be pretty happy. He never really asks about moving or anything like that. We shower him with love. Yeah. People, you don't think Julian the unicorn? Nah, no. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I think we're pretty good. I think we're pretty good with the no. with the villagers that we have. We we swap out from time to time, of course. Julian gives me Tamaki vibes, which isn't the worst. But like, I don't want him in my village. <laughs> I believe I have that amiibo too, possibly, but you know, <laughs> ones that we have and the ones that we've had as well as probably plan to add in the future are matching aesthetics and fit with the vibe of the island, at least I believe so. Yeah, that's what I've been doing too. The first thing I did was get all wolf amiibos. Oh yeah, the so wolves are good. Have, yeah, so wolves are good. That's right. The wolves are good, but they're, they're for a different aesthetic type good. Yeah. They aren't like the cutest. They'd be like, yeah. Let a motherfucker come Wolfgang and Lobo. Those are those are our go-to, too, is Wolfgang and Lobo. The Lions have nobody on their team. The Lions? Nobody the on their team. The Monkeys? Oh. The Gators. Terrible. All of them. Awful. Dude, all the Rams are awful. I like the Mouses, though, but the only one I really like out of the Mouses is Peachy, the new one. That's because he reminds me of Dexter. <laughs> so happy that she's there. I completely, since, um, what was the, the new add-on? the happy home something yeah after i got that i made sure to redo petrie's house because it is now worthy of like dexter if he walked in he would cream <laughs> with all the new shit from the new like 2.0 update and shit like that when it happened it had a ton of science stuff in there and i was so happy about it how we did the whole house is so good that's the best thing about the dlc is that it gave you access to furniture and the ability to build things that you couldn't get to build on your island like you actually legit get to build a restaurant a school a hospital you know and you get all these new things that weren't available you know all these new objects that you can bring back to your island 
dude, the hanging from the ceiling changed the game for me. Mm -hmm. I made an entire goth room with the ghost graveyard uh, wall wallpaper. Huh. So that every time you turned off the light, the ghost would move about the, the background. You being able to put exclamations and all kinds of accents and motions on items itself changed the game as well. Because I started putting top bubbles on all the stuffed animals in the room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I vomited my goth girl heart all over that room. And it's just, it's just awesome. Hanging the black chandelier with the candles in it. Having the bell casting floor. The, both the rug and the main floor too. Oh, I have over like thousand hours on that game. One of the Wait, things that I had wanted to do from like the start is turn one of my rooms in my house into like a gothic ballroom. But early on, there just wasn't like enough material to really envision it. So it's a good thing that they added so much stuff, like the gothic teddy bear set that came specifically with the happy home stuff. Yes, I love that. I love the ones that you could put on the, the, the walls with the shelves, that one. Yeah. Yeah, those are the ones that I sat there and used. And then the, you, I also used the, the little mom dog, the little mom dogs that you get. Yeah. I used a bunch of those and changed those colors and then put those as talking too. So whenever you are in the room, there's something trying to talk at you. And it's mm -hmm. just haunting and it's beautiful and I love it. They should release more updates. Uh, they really should. But like, all right, so I'm a part of a couple of pages on Facebook and, uh, some of the newer people are like, I wish there was more stuff. Like, you don't know. We were there when the rules were written. Like, you didn't have to wait for this like we did. <laughs> like, they're like, they're unappreciative of all the stuff that has been done for it because they've been updating this game for over a full year, making sure that you had over a full year's worth of entertainment and no game fucking does that. It's a pity that they seem to have stopped because I feel like the time in which it came out, the time they struck, was perfect because of the pandemic because people had nothing but time and yeah people are getting back to normalcy but kind of giving up on the game and like stopping updates and not adding anything new even a, a couple new clothes here and there or a couple of new items here and there would be a nice touch you know what i mean just rotate rotate the prizes for the seasons yeah it just seems like a missed opportunity on their behalf because they had everyone in their like grasp with this and now instead of just maintaining that frenzy they're just letting it go all this recent talk of movie changes and removals on warner brother discovery's part is or the r.i.p supergirl <laughs> well that looks like it'd probably be likely to be a thing even though they've yet to confirm it we're supposed to be able to see I'm sure in the coming weeks what they're going to do with all the rumored projects but honestly for Supergirl particularly they were in the um, I think the development stage so they really didn't progress too much so it's not too much of a loss for them to kind of scrap it but oh the, what movie did they recently cut off that I was thinking of Batgirl Batgirl that's what it is I need to get my DC character straight we know okay. that they are going to build that 10 years plan that's more cohesive and making the Disney plan with Marvel Studios as the template for what they want to do going forward and they already have one of the pieces in place as the former uh, chief creative officer for Disney at the time now is a consultant for Warner Brothers and they want a Kevin Feige like head to run this decades worth of DC projects to go back to the shared universe, which 
as we know, was kind of rocky under Zack Snyder and the previous Warner Brothers regime before the merger. It seemed to be that they had a good strategy kind of going in recent memory, that they were going to make the lesser known or what they consider the more riskier projects be made for HBO Max so then they can kind of fold them into the wider movie universe. And they were also being very supportive of director-driven stories, such as Joker was very successful for them, the Batman was very successful for them, but the new CEO believes that the theatrical window of 45 days in theaters before coming to HBO Max is not sustainable. So the more recent movie, Elvis, that would have come out on HBO Max this week seems to not be, because they're trying to honor the theatrical exhibition of 100 days or more before they decide to put it on video on demand and then finally streaming service. So now we don't know just how much HBO Max is going to survive any future cuts to content as well as then the proposed merger with Discovery Plus next summer. So we have no idea what that looks like. But I'm thinking it's a mistake to throw away movies or projects that you had already invested millions of dollars into that you're not seeing a return on. That just makes no sense to me. Yeah, I agree. Some companies like to shoot themselves in the foot though, thinking that there's some back end deal that they can make more money off of. I always feel like even though I don't understand all the minutia of business, it always seems strange to me as someone looking from the outside to completely drop something even though you've already put money into it. Because even if the movie isn't like spectacular, like for Batgirl, you would still make something because it's still a recognizable name and there would definitely be people who would want to see it just to see what you did with the character. That's right. still money regardless of if it's not as much as you would have liked, it's still more than you get by straight up canceling it, even though you already spent this money producing what's been made already. Right, there's already a fan base there. Not to mention, like, this is going to be the first time people are seeing Keaton back in the Batman role. You you just pull it away from them. Like that dude in the, what is that commercial with the guy with the dollar bill on the fishing hook? Yeah, that commercial was really funny. Yeah, it's like, oh, you almost got there. Oh, you almost, like, you know. That's what they were doing to us with this Keaton. With, first with the Keaton rumor, then with him being there and being seen on set, then releasing pictures of this motherfucker in the suit. Like, yo, this is what we've been waiting for. And you just snatch it away from us. Now, to please the audiences and to please the fans, you need to do a Batman Beyond film with Keaton as the grumpy, <laughs> beaten down, but still determined Batman. No, here's a question. Who would... Terry, is it Terry Guinness or Terry McGinnis? McGinnis. McGinnis. Yeah, so, boom. That so... needs to happen now. And it needs to be an Asian actor. It's Terry on the fuck. The character that was drawn was clearly not regularly Caucasian. Can we stick with that? Yeah, Please. see, I was just going to say, like, who would they cast? And I feel like, truthfully, they probably wouldn't cast an Asian actor. It would probably be someone white. Or if they wanted to go in a different direction for inclusion, they would cast someone of darker skin color, which right. almost seems weird. They're not weird. so Hispanic because they're already doing that with the Blue Beetle. That's if they don't cancel this. That's if they don't cancel that. Just any Korean TV drama, they're all fine. They're all fine looking. <laughs> also, I feel like sometimes directors might limit themselves to casting names that are known, when I feel like there's some people you could probably find who can embody the character well and 
probably act decently enough. It seems, it seems like some studios are kind of shying away from that because cost-effectively to go after somebody who is an unknown saves them a lot of money in the lead role and they could lock them down for multiple pictures because, you know, it's a huge gig. They're not going to say no. And we're already seeing a little bit of that with Marvel Studios going after it. And I don't know if I'm saying her name correctly, but uh, Xochitl Gomez being uh, America Chavez after she was on, like, I think a smaller like teen show or something and you have the person who they chose to play Blue Beetle came from a similar background not a big name so I feel like they're already kind of veering in that direction and I'm gonna throw this tidbit in here because it was only maybe the day before yesterday but there was an article that mentioned that Giancarlo Esposito who fans will know from most recently being the cover villain of Far Cry 6 he was talking about he would do a Marvel project. Wait, who? Giancarlo Esposito. I have to, I have to look up the name and the face for me to connect the names. Did you know it's terrible? Yeah, in Far Cry 6. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That's like... He was in Star Wars in The Mandalorian. Yeah, okay, so wait, he wants to play who? He says he would like to play Professor X. He is a good actor. He is such a good actor. So clearly... Race is not going to be a thing as everybody's trying to be inclusive now. And while inclusivity is good, it's not necessary for particular characters because they already establishes what they were because it's a relic of that time frame. There just happened to be a lot of Caucasian people in big superhero roles. And so to change that is inspired to an extent, especially if, you know, a person of color could play anybody they want as long as they have the acting chops to bring that character to life from page to screen. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah, because someone I was, I can give an example of is for Wesker in the, what was the name of the show specifically? It was the Resident Evil Netflix thing, but what was their subtitle? Was there one? Yeah, I liked him as Wesker. He definitely has like the kind of elegant menace, I guess you would say, that Wesker has. Especially that scene where he was checking the chick's father and the principal at the same time. Yes, that was such a good scene. I loved it. He just threw his machismo everywhere across the room, and they had to, to wither underneath it. It was so good. Although I will but say... The, the only thing for me is is that I haven't seen this actor in a caring role. I have always seen him in that, that menacing, don't fuck with me, aura and i don't mind that for my professor x but there needs to be a layer of affection and caring in that character as well so like i haven't seen him in that role i haven't watched a movie or don't recall watching a movie let me say that because i've seen a ton of fucking movies but i won't remember what happens until somebody reminds me of it and i'm like oh yeah i forgot i saw that movie so i i do not recall seeing him in a film where he has that type of aura that would connect professor x I was going to comment on the same thing. I'm not super familiar with his work like that, but from what I have seen of like the commercials and trailers from that Far Cry thing, he definitely seems like he's more of a villainous type than yeah. someone who's supposed to be like a mentor. I think that's the idea of him mentioning being Professor X because he's breaking out of the typecast that people already have for him. I mean, honestly, if I saw his name wanting to be in an X-Men project, I would have probably pegged him to be Magneto. I wouldn't mind Magneto. Because the outfit he wore, and I'll, and I'll sit there and spec, uh, specify on Esposito, he has been in some movies, 
but he has made his bones on the small screen. He has been in Star Wars. I believe he's been in Breaking Bad and or Better Call Saul. Yes. But Good that's idea. where he made his bones is the TV series, uh, shows. So movie-wise, I'm sure he can carry his own, um, but to break out of what you guys just pointed out, your examples, perfectly he's typecast as being that conniving, villainous, kind of quiet menace role he plays so to play professor x would be a 180 and could he do it is what everybody would go to the movies to see if he could do can i can i just say real quick i i'd like to see him as beast i think he'd be a good beast i feel like he'll be a good hank mccoy beast i think he had to leave that to cgi I feel like yeah, right. I was gonna say like I feel yeah, like I him with CGI weird, would be weird. But they, you know who I meant as far as the the character went. Yes. That's what I mean. Yeah. He'd be a good Hank McCoy. Though I really, really like it's it's a big shoes to fill because I liked uh, Kelsey Grammer. Yes, Kelsey Grammer. I love his beast. I really, really did. Mm-hmm. His voice works with it. His acting background. It. You completely there. yeah, just right there, just just right there, the background. And his age, you could believe that he and Patrick Stewart's Xavier have been longtime friends. Right, you could tell that they've had a couple chess matches where both of them might have, you know, both of them have lost. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, there's definite, there's a layer of camaraderie and respect there that just comes just with the conversations and how he chatted. I feel like um, that, minus the falling out that occurred in Apocalypse, I want to say, maybe even in Dark Phoenix, especially Dark Phoenix. If you take first class in terms of James McAvoy and Nicholas Holt, and you take their Xavier and Beast, how they were in the first two films, how close they were, and that type of partnership that they developed, right? you could see that that relationship translated to what we saw in The Last Stand with Grammer and Stewart. It was almost like a cohesion there. It's like the younger actors built the history of why those two were as close as they were at the in that third film. First Class was just full of excellent movie points. Even if people didn't like the movie as a whole, though I don't understand why I totally liked it. Yeah, there was some things you could nitpick about it, but overall, it was a really entertaining film. Yeah. And the, the, the camaraderie between Xavier and um, Magneto was so good. Every moment they had on screen together, they played so well off of each other. The way that those two were definitely worked out there. Um, McAvoy and Fassbender did a great job. And they definitely conveyed just how close uh, and meaningful the friendship between Lyncher and Xavier was. I was going to say, it's interesting watching younger actors try to fulfill the roles of well-established characters that have been defined by the actors before them. It's definitely intimidating I would imagine but I feel like they kind of seamlessly fit into it like they were a very believable younger version of the two because their chemistry was really good and they both carried the weight of what their characters are well giving it a new dimension for the quadrilogy of first class films first class remains the most critically acclaimed of the four films and a lot of them did share the sentiment that Evan Peters' role in those subsequent films were always highlights. He was heavily wasted in WandaVision. I wish they did something more to acknowledge that he played that character before rather than it being kind of a tongue-in-cheak thing with the audience knowing. I feel like... Boner last name. Yeah. 
I feel like it would have also been more to like tie in a multiverse or tie in a grander narrative like how far does you know the variations extend especially since one of the next things that came out was multiverse madness i know it was like a while after but i still feel like it would have made sense like that could have been one of the early threads that they could pull at for that movie like for the setup i feel like that would have been a much more interesting way to incorporate his character than it just being some literal random stranger pretending to be her brother and she didn't even recognize him like hey you're a stranger she was like no this is my brother like what the only acknowledgement was darcy sitting there saying do they recast pietro (laughs) i just want to bank left real quick and say that i'm absolutely tired of wanda's grief being a fucking marvel movie reason subplot i'm over it i'm over it i'm over it she already learned the first time that she can't have her kids then she gonna sit there and chase some kids to introduce America, and I think they could have done a better job of this. But I feel like them doing it this way because was it Six, six Strange? Yes. So they are now fucking up the House of M timeline for for Six One Six. It's not gonna happen now. And I was really, really hoping that with Wanda being the the you know coming to her full power, they were going to do a House of M timeline or at least touch on it a little bit, give us something. And I'm excited about the Kang coming up, but I wanted, I really, really wanted the House of M timeline, especially with them introducing the Illuminati, they're already acknowledging X-Men and mutants. Then, you know, them tossing the hints with Miss um, Marvel, where they say, you know, it's a mutation, you know? I, like, so they're, they're, they're clearly hinting at it. House of M would have been such a good storyline to head down to, but now they have to go in alternate universe Wanda for this. And I feel like this Wanda was wasted in the multiverse of madness and as a parent i understand the grief but it's not a whole series and then a movie necessity there's so many great other comic book storylines to use why is wanda's grief being tapped into again (sighs) i wanted to let that out i feel as though that movie was trying maybe a little too hard for like some shock value like having her not necessarily her being a threat because with her powers she very well could be but like having all of that energy focused just on something like this when they could have gone a different route and maybe it would have felt less cheap in a different story. Bro, her brother actually died. Not the children she created herself died. She could recreate them. She has the power to recreate the children. She, but she uses the dark hold. To instead of bringing her actually dead, you actually was alive, but now dead, brother, back or going to go see him. She focuses on the children she she magically created in another universe. Why not just magically create the children again? I'll sit there and say that the trailer for Multiverse of Madness seemed very misleading in terms of you didn't watch that trailer and think that she was the threat. You thought that Strange was coming to her because something happened. And I kind of thought that it was something that she had inadvertently had like breakdown because she'd been suffering, you know, every tragedy after tragedy. And, you know, there's only so much a psyche could take. So that way she would break and then it would be, you know, the multiverse of madness title would be more proper. We know that her children never existed. They were only a figment of what she imagined, you know, like she did with Vision. The only difference was she actually had Vision's body to treat as a marionette puppet, a marionette puppet, so to speak. So her children would never realize, so she never had them. So there's nothing for her to 
recreate except for being able to hold the same force that she had when she was at Westview. But seeing as, and this could be because, you know, the Darkhold had an influence on her by the end of that show, that she actually heard her children, which drove her to go find them because it means that they exist somewhere. Like in some timeline, I could sit there and see her being happily with Vision and having children. But we all know that they didn't kill off Scarlet Witch. We know that there's rumors of her getting her own solo film. So the House of M storyline could very much still happen. It's just a matter of seeing as we know that phases 4, 5, and 6 will deal with the multiverse. That means that anything can cross over from any universe and then become the prime universe. It's just a matter of what elements are they going to take. I don't see anything that suggests the House of M will be a thing, but it's way too popular of a storyline for Marvel Studios to ignore. So I feel like they will take aspects of it, and whether they do it in her solo film, or they do it with a character that's in conjunction with her down the line, it's always possible. But we're thinking maybe 10, 15 years down the road, and we know Marvel Studios only plans out for five years. I would like to see Strange search for 616's Illuminati to see if they exist there, for him to find Xavier and to find the other people, to see if they exist in this timeline. Since they had a Captain America, they, 616 is a Captain America, and the other one had the Captain, what was it, Captain Britain? Captain Carter. Captain Carter, I think so. But they did say um, something about Captain Britain possibly showing up down the line. Okay. I would like for them to find them and then have, create their own Illuminati and have him kind of mitigate any future issues with the Darkhold because now that he has an eidetic memory, he memorized the fucking Darkhold is not sitting in his brain and that's why he has a little fucking iron shit. And then they could salvage uh, House of M storyline if Wanda isn't dead because I really don't think she's dead either. I think she just kind of entombed herself and is sitting there in a, in, a, in a sad-ass state like before and letting depression take her over. I also want to say that the movie trailer, going back to what Spade said, was very misleading and also I feel like the assumption that the events of Spider-Man would have an effect. Like, I thought Strange would be dealing with the repercussions of having opened these other dimensions and having them bleed into each other for the Spider-Man shit, and it really didn't matter at all. Like, it wasn't a factor at all. (laughs) It's like, possibly he didn't seal it as well as he thought he did, um, given the fact that we're to believe that the multiverse is still going to bleed in there were the different worlds that we saw him in America travel through, from animated to, you know, abstract and all that. That scene where he met the Dark Strange, that was a few of the incursions that happened starting in that film. And I believe we're going to see more incursions show up in other Marvel properties. So we're going to see the multiverse actually bleed through the stuff that he who remains in season one of Loki said that if Sylvie was to kill him, that she was going to unleash hell, basically. Yeah, because he regulated the Kangs, and he, he was the one that was regulating, he was the good king that was regulating all the other Kangs, and now that the good king is gone, all the other Kangs shall reign. Yeah, so that means that the multiverse, all these incursions that we definitely saw one or two of in Multiverse of Madness is only going to spread throughout the rest of the properties. We did not see it in Moon Knight. We did not see it in Miss Marvel. Um, we did not see it in Thor, but we know that it's going to happen at some point down the road, whether it be in films like Black Panther, 
or She-Hulk in terms of the shows, but we'll see more incursions happen. It's just a matter of, will we see them start to bleed in little by little before Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania really kicks that off, which is where I'm expecting it, seeing as Kang is confirmed to show up there. How do you determine that there haven't been incursions in like Miss Marvel because she literally had one whole other universe trying to be summoned into theirs. Well, really, that doesn't count. Well, really, that was the clandestines trying to get themselves home. So I'd sit there and say that that wasn't outside of how they wanted this to happen and it happened inadvertently. And yet, when they tried to cross through, they died. So maybe there's something having to do with that that plays in that role. Because it made it seem like it was an actual tear in, you know, our space that would lead into theirs. That didn't seem to happen, though, until she activated the bracelet. Well, that's what I mean, though. But the fact that it still appeared within our universe, would that not be kind of like what the, what's her name, something at the end of Man, Multiverse of Madness? She cut open a hole. That was kind of similar in that vein. Yeah, though. she was she was cutting open a hole with that dagger to travel, but in the comics, she's been able to do that without there being incursions. No, that but get I just caught. mean something but, like you know, that. Like, it was kind of like a tear where you could have, I guess, the clandestines universe. Well, we know exactly where she was going in. there. When she cut into the fabric, she was going straight for the dark dimension because her being a a niece or daughter of Dormammu, she has a you know skeleton key to get there. So I'd imagine that as far as incursions go, where it looked like things were really fucked up, I'd say that it only occurred in Doctor Strange so far. We hardly got to see what the Nor were outside of them being very like crystalline cities and whatnot and having some beings that look humanoid who really just wanted to get home. There was like nothing to suggest that it was menacing other than sure, if you could exist in some reality, you'd want to take it over. But I wouldn't necessarily, I'd need more to believe that that was incursion. I think they were saying that literally if their universe started to, got opened, it would bleed in and like actually that's, crush the society underneath that's it. That's what um, the daggers were warning Kamala about, yes. But also, Here's a question. If she's supposed to be a mutant and they acknowledge that she has a mutation in her genes, what was the whole point of calling her a jinn? Yes. Like, what was the point? <laughs> what was the point of that? Are you a genie or are you a oh mutant? My God. Yes. <laughs> well, they did. If she was just going to be a mutant. I feel like they should have just went that way. They did that little segment where Bruno and Mr. Khan were talking about the history of jinn. And it is the Western interpretation that they're genies when they're not. So I feel like there was suppo- that was supposed to be a somewhat explanation of it. But they're sitting there saying that, there's, that they're a magical family. That's what they said. They said they have magic in their family, but we didn't see them do anything that matches that description. We they know didn't... that she has a bracelet that can make her do incredible things. Okay, but the thing is, are you magical or are you just a human with mutated genes? Well, because that's completely different thing. If you're focusing, yeah, if if you're focusing on an adaptation or interpretation rather of a character that exists in the comics, when you know that in the comics she's classified as in an inhuman, 
So her abilities were unlocked due to an explosion that happened in the comics. Here, she found her family's bracelet. And we knew that they were changing it to have light-based powers. So all this here is literally to fit the narrative that they plan on doing a lot more stuff with the quantum realm. And to sit there and say she's a djinn or she asked if she was, I don't believe was enough to harp on given the fact that she has this lineage but that doesn't mean that she has the ability to wield it she just has the ability to channel her power through a bracelet that helps her as a conduit but i don't think that we're gonna hear any more Jin stuff going forward now that they drop the m word so we'll see what they do um when she shows up in the marvels it sounded it sounded to me like they just dropped the term Jin to make it sound culturally relevant yeah Especially yeah. trying to say that genies are Western interpretation, but jinns are supposed to be mischievous spirits that are, you know, actual magic, not a genetic mutation. It's two completely different things. You can't say she's both supernatural and, like, scientifically different. They're, yeah, no, it's a clashing of conception. I think they say that her, her family, as far as her grandmother, or great-grandmother in this case, had that latent ability because she wasn't human but kamala wasn't born of that outside of just carrying some traits but the mutation in her genes what was interpreted as being jinn probably was the mutation all along really but that almost makes her sound alien altogether because her great-grandmother came from a different dimension. That's more than a mutation. That's literally being otherworldly. Yeah. Which is what she's supposed to be anyway, as far as, you know, her descriptions of her, what you say. But I mean, like, the mutants themselves are very much of this earth. I will tell you this. We have no idea what the Marvel Studios' interpretation of mutants will be. We'll have to see when they unravel it. Because, I mean, even when they were trying to explain Wanda's powers, like, you know... She, they based it off of the stone at first they, and then yeah. said it's actual magic and now if, when they introduce mutants properly, is she going to be a mutant? Well, like, we know that she's supposed to be a child born from the stone in terms of her powers. Well, they like experimented yes, on Yes, that's her. what I'm saying. The, her that she's a child born from the stone in terms of the powers she had in her brother. So we know that they credited her getting her powers from the stone. We also know that she only had the ability to wield chaos magic. It wasn't in her. It's just a matter of she has the ability to unlock that door, which Agatha helped her do unwittingly. Now, I, to piggyback off of that, though, I did mention to Feline earlier that it's very possible that I can see that after Wanda seemingly killed herself or sacrificed herself to destroy the mountaintop to also destroy the dark hold it's very possible that if she did make herself unconscious because i like i said i don't think they killed her off but if she knocked herself out does that mean that that would be the opening that agatha has to be able to be freed of the spell that she last put on her back in westview which would then lead into her solo series next year i would not I'm assuming that's what it would be, given that that's, that's an easy explanation. Oh, she went down, therefore this hold on me is off now. I have a quick question for you. Yeah. Is McAvoy's Xavier 616? They didn't establish it. Okay. Yeah. Because if it's not, they can use 
the Stephen Strange's 616 and do a whole new Phoenix verse. And I feel like they could just do so much better with my homegirl if they kept this like this. Because it gives an opportunity for it. And I want it. And I want them to go full end song. I want it. And I want it willingly. I also want them to, to establish the cuckoos because the cuckoos would be so good and it would open up so many doors. Like there's such so much that they could do with just the Phoenix Force alone. Ugh. Before we close out, there's like a few things I want to mention and I'm dying to know what your reactions will be to it. It's only a few things. Uh-huh. One uh-huh. okay. It's never hit. I'm gonna ask you, have you heard of any recent news about Frank Ocean? No. Okay. Well, Frank Ocean is a music artist, of course. Yes. And he has now started selling a luxury cock ring. Get the fuck out of here. Yep. And it's twenty five grand for it. Does it play music? He also put a picture of it, him wearing it, on Instagram. On Instagram. Now, it is blurred out, of course, but just to show you the ring itself while it's on. Yeah, Yeah, he didn't need to put it on to do that. Right. No, 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 he needed to show you. He needed to show you just how how luxurious this piece was. He wanted to show off his schmacker. Well, like I said, it's it's pixelated out, so all you can see really... How old is he? I think he's in his early 30s, I'm not sure. But he modeled the ring in a photo on uh, Instagram. Yeah, I'm sure. He had what his leg up on a chair or some shit. No, no, just just standing there. That's all. <laughs> just standing there. Just standing there. Now he's selling a line of these. Twenty-five grand for the one that he, the, the one that he was wearing, the one that he was wearing. Now he's selling a line of them. Okay, and the price range is from one thousand three hundred sixty-five dollars to five thousand six hundred ninety-five. That's the price range for his line of cock rings. What are they made out of? Ridiculous. It's clearly circumcised baby bits. That's the only plausible fucking reason as to why this shit costs so much. This is from his luxury line of kind of jewelry because he sells pendants and earrings and keychains and the the line is called Homer. I don't know why, but it's called Homer. (laughs) But the the $25,000 cock ring is called the Triple XL H bone ring. <laughs> I just can't. It's 18 karat yellow gold. What the fuck would you need gold on your dick for? Why is that? Co- how is that comfortable? King Dingling. That's what I'm saying. Except for no reason. King Dingling. I'm not a guy, but I would not think it comfortable to right, put a doesn't it, on. But I also know people who would fuck a ham sandwich. So. Doesn't it need to have some give because it will engorge, no? And then you'll like be cutting off circulation. The point is to cut off a bit of the circulation to keep the a person bit, coming though. past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a lot, but it's meant to be enough that like... It's like a little cinch, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Without really pinching it off while also giving support and trying to keep you harder longer because it also keeps the blood from blowing backwards. So the engorgement is kind of the case, but man, I, like, do you get personally fit for this coppering? Because not one size fits all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As far as I know, it only comes in different, in like another color besides the gold, but the stones are 60 times lab grown diamonds, princess cut at 3.6 carats. That looks like it has some edges on it. Like that does not what? look comfortable. Can you just send me the link of what it looks like because yeah. I want to see yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was 
something I read, and it was this company that I think it did conference or condoms or something like that. They had to change the sizing because men weren't buying the reasonable size for themselves, and they were buying too big because of their ego. So they had to label the smaller sizes bigger than they were, so that the men would buy appropriate sizes to fit. So it did start off as large, and it then it started off, you know, like small, medium, large. It had to be like large, extra large, and you know, omega, or the fuck. You know what I'm saying? Just to sit there and like get guys have the ego. The last thing I wanted to mention was an Indiana representative uh, by the name of John L. Bartlett proposed an amendment to the state's abortion law. It would outlaw the sale, prescription, or distribution of erectile dysfunction drugs and other male sexual incompetence drugs. He said, we're forcing young girls to be mothers, but not forcing the men to be fathers. Get out. That's exactly right. But you know that shit ain't gonna pass. All those old motherfuckers up there need the Viagra pills to get themselves straight. He said, if in fact an unwanted pregnancy is an act of God, then impotence is an act of God. I think the onus should be put on men for these pregnancies. Now, when that bill was being put up, the bill leader, who was a Republican female by the name of Wendy McNamara, she responded by saying, quote unquote, I will measure my comments as I don't want to get in trouble, but please oppose this amendment. Don't <laughs> oppose that shit. Her husband uses it. Now... The guy being a Democrat says, some may think this is a joke, but it takes two people for a pregnancy to come about. And to put all the onus on the woman, I think that's just unfair. You know what's funny to me? Some people who would defend like the banning of abortions would say, oh, then women should just keep their legs closed. But let's see how men would feel if all the women in those states where it's banned kept their legs closed, period. No sex at all. Would they be cool with that? Whereas they're the same people who don't want to sit there and, and show teenagers or anybody about condoms and yet trying to get teenagers to be parents knowing that they're going to be sexually active. They don't die to me. It's such a ridiculous fucking dumb cycle. And with that, that'll wrap up our bullshit roundtable. Until next time, it's Spade. Feline. And Al. Peace out. Bye, y'all.